0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Ooh, ciao! This week has been much, much, very much. A woman wrote to me last week. Last week's episode was a little shorter than usual. I think it was only about 35 minutes or so. And she was like, Demetri, you gave us a short episode. And I was like, I sure did. Because it wasn't enough to talk about. I ain't going to run my mouth just to run it. That don't serve me or you. But this week, very many things to discuss. One of them, if you remember last week, I said that I had a big announcement I was waiting for the contract to be countersigned and the check to be cut. I've learned not to get too excited about things until all the paperwork and checks are complete. I'm very happy to announce that starting January 2021, Ratchet and Respectable is going to go twice a week. We're going to be moving our drop day from Thursday, which it usually comes out Thursday night. So most people listen either very late on Thursday or all day on Friday, which thank you. So our new Ratchet and Respectable days are going to be Tuesday and Friday. I'm super excited about all the things that are coming down the pipeline. I am tweaking the format of the show just a little bit. We're going to have more interviews. We're going to have more dedicated segments. Many of you asked if I could add a dating and relationship component, if I could bring back Ask Demetria. So yes, yes, I can. I have some other things that we're working on, but I will announce what those are when they are fully fleshed out. I don't have a lot of time because it's less than a month, but I do plan to spend a great deal of time over the Christmas holidays, ironing that out. So thank you for listening. If you all were not listening, this would not be possible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, I did another drop of Ratchet and Respectable merchandise. I am doing one more before the end of the year. I hope you have your notifications turned on on social media. I will do it in after work hours because I respect nine to fives i don't want people to have to choose between their work and their zoom meetings and all that they've got going on on that front in order to get merch so i'll do another 6 p.m drop for the east coast Um, and especially for my plus size girls we've been struggling to get and to keep the plus size merchandise on the site but i do have large quantities no pun intended coming in Um, so hopefully if you are a full-sized woman and you need a little more fabric to cover and highlight all of your curves I got you. Just give me a second to figure it all out. I am new to merchandising. I just started this on December 1st and this stuff has been selling out fast, especially the hoodies. I do have 3X and 4X hoodies coming. So thank you for your patience while my team and I pull this all together. So some good and bad news coming this week. Disney announced the new date for Black Panther 2. It is opening July 8th, 2022. So we have quite a ways to wait. However, as we all are aware, the star of the film, Chadwick Boseman, passed away in August. So Marvel has been trying to figure out what to do. There was some question at one point whether they were going to like use a CGI double of, of Boseman to put in the film, which that just feels weird to me. And there was some question as to whether little sister Shuri would step in and be Black Panther. But Marvel has decided that they are not going to replace Boseman in the upcoming sequel, which I have mixed feelings about. I love Black Panther. I went to see it in the theater five times, six times. When it was on Netflix, I used to fall asleep watching it every night. And Chadwick is such a larger than life presence. He very much defined the role. So he would be very difficult to replace. So there's part of me that respects that they are honoring his memory and honoring what he brought to the role and not replacing him. But then there's also another part of me that's like, well, I love this franchise and I love these characters. And many other superhero movies have had multiple people play. There've been plenty of Batmans. There've been plenty of Jokers. There've been plenty of, I guess James Bond is not a superhero, but there've been plenty of Bonds. And I do think that they could have found another incredible actor who could step up and Not do what Chadwick Boseman did, because there's only one Chadwick Boseman, but bring their own specialness and breadth and depth and character to the character. I would have liked to see that. So I'm sure that Black Panther 2 will be another blockbuster hit. I hope that for Black Panther 3, because I'd like to see these go on and on and on. I do hope that in future sequels for Black Panther that the studio decides to bring in someone else great. To, to play the Black Panther. I had actually hoped at one point that they'd bring in John David Washington. I love that dude. I think he has the chops and the charisma and the depth to play a character like Black Panther, but you know. Speaking of Chadwick Boseman, I was able to watch a screener for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's starring Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis as Ma Rainey and a couple other familiar faces. It was amazing. We talked about this last week. There was a clip released online of Viola Davis's performance, and it was mind-blowing. I think the word I used last week was, she was transformed. You know you're looking at Viola Davis, but she just completely embodies the character. She killed it. It was so, so good. Chadwick Boseman, this was his final role before he passed away, and he gave everything he had. Like, it's, it's such a phenomenal film. I can't wait for you all to see it. It comes out on Amazon next week, so you don't have long to wait. But I am telling you now, it is so, so, so good. I highly, highly recommend. Speaking of great films, do you remember a couple weeks ago, I was talking about Lovers Rock by Steve McQueen. He has this series of five films on Amazon Prime. And just FYI, I am not getting a check cut to talk about these films. These are things that I really, really enjoy and I'm excited about them. And so I want to share the information with you so you can be excited too. But Steve McQueen has a series of films on Amazon, five films about the experience of the Caribbean community in London from the late 60s until the early 80s. I will tell you this, I did work on the promo for the film. I fulfilled my promo duties and got my check cut a month ago. I don't have to say another word about this film but I keep talking about Lovers Rock because it is such a good film and recently it won film of the year from BFI. That's the British Film Institute. I've given a breakdown and a review before so I will just repeat it was the best house party I've never been to. It has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard and Literally, for the last five weeks, I have been wearing out this song called Silly Games by Janet Kaye, and the song came out the year I was born. I discovered it five weeks ago. I am obsessed with it. I be trying to hit the high notes. I be all manner of off-key. My neighbors must hate me. But I'm playing it anyway because I love that song. Please go watch this film so you can, like, be in love with this film and the soundtrack and have good vibes and good energy and just, like... Miss outside even more. God, I miss just the energy of a bunch of people being together and being in sync and loving the same music and swaying the same way and being in the same rhythm, that that collective feeling. I miss parties. <sighs> what else is going on? There's so much. I'm trying to figure out where to start, not, not what to list. Your boy Snoop, doggy style Snoop. Snoop that used to have a whole porn franchise, Snoop. Snoop of ain't no fun if the homies can't have none, Snoop. That Snoop, he had words about Cardi B for WAP or WAP. We never did get to the bottom of that one. But he did an interview with Central Ave and they were talking about the song and he said, oh my God, slow down. Let's have some imagination. Let's have some, you know, privacy, some intimacy where he wants to find out as opposed to you telling him. Nigga, what? You have built an entire career on saying raunchy shit and getting high. You, of all people, got the nerve to criticize Cardi for being too vulgar, for sharing too much? Sir, are you serious? Like, before he got on his roster, shit, he was on some gospel shit. And before he was on the gospel shit, he was on some pimp shit. Like, sir, you walked around for a good 15 to 20 years portraying yourself as a pimp. You showed up to, was it the MTV Awards? I don't remember which year it was, but he showed up with some women on leashes. And now you got the whole nerve to be upset about how somebody else expresses their sexuality? Sir, the audacity of you. Stop. This is also the same, sir. His wife earlier this year, somebody asked her for some relationship advice. She said, I can't give no advice. My husband been out here cheating for years. I can't give you no advice about relationships. Sir, didn't you just show up in a video on some young girl's OnlyFans page? Because that's why your wife said that online. It was in reaction to her whole husband of 20 some odd years fucking some girl on a video on OnlyFans. And you out here talking about what somebody said in a song. Now, sir, come on. Offset defended his wife. I don't know why I should find a husband defending his wife shocking. I think it's because it's Offset. I, I ain't even going there. But Offset defended his wife respectfully. But he did suggest that Snoop stay out of, quote, females business. I really want to know what men's struggle is with referring to women as women. Like, what, what is this females thing? I've talked about it for years, how disrespectful it is and just how grammatically incorrect it is. If you're speaking in scientific terms, male and female are absolutely appropriate. So I'm told this also applies to military. That's fine. But just in general conversation, men just be like, well, these females, like female what? Because it's it's an adjective. And nobody really says, well, these males out here, like women will say it sometimes as a rebuttal when men keep using the word females, they'll say it to make a point. We refer to adult human males as men. We recognize their humanity by using the word men, but men just be out here, females, females. And then when you call them on it, they'll be like, well, at least I ain't saying bitches. Really? As many times as women will say, I don't like being referred to as a female. Men always be like, well, I don't know why it bothers you. And they don't make the connection between like white folks calling them nigga. Like if you went to a white person and was like, hey, you need to stop calling me nigga. Cause that's disrespectful. And the white person came back and was like, yeah, you need to just get over it because I don't understand why it's disrespectful. Like, I don't even mean any harm by it. So many black men just never make the connection between racism and sexism. Like the way white folks treat black folks, nearly identical to how white folks, racist white folks, treat black folks. But you call a man a sexist. I'm not a sexist. I love my mother. I have sisters. I have daughters. I'm not a sexist. Which you out here calling women females. You can't even respect how women want to be called. Back to the point. Offset defends his wife. Offset says, as rappers, we talk about the same shit. He's referring to the content of WAP or WAP. He says, it's a lot of women empowerment. Don't shoot it down. We never had this many artists as female artists running this shit. They catching up to us, passing us, and setting records. And then Snoop came back. Because he got a lot of of negative response about him, of all people, criticizing raunchy music. He said the critics are trying to make him sound like a hater. He wrote on Instagram, quote, stop with the bullshit press. I love Cardi B and Meg, music period, point blank. And they know that I'm in full support of the female MC movement. So stop trying to make me sound like a hater. Well, sir, if you don't want to sound like a hater, don't say some hater shit. I hate when old folks do that. Like you spend your whole 20s being wild and reckless, and then you get to 49 pushing 50 and you wanna go full uncle mode at people doing the same shit that you used to do back in your day. Sir, we learned it from watching you. Doggy Style came out when I was a sophomore in high school, 94, 93. It's one thing to look back on the choices you made and be like, you know what? I should have made some different choices. Fine, that's your life. Critique it as you see fit. But then to go critique somebody who's doing something that they watch you do? Sir. And many people criticized Snoop for his misogyny back in the day. Many people criticized Snoop for, for gangster lyrics and, and the content that he was promoting, saying it was negative for the black community. And Snoop rallied against that tooth and nail. And now you're going to grow up and do the same shit. Kettle, you ain't got no business out here talking about the pots. I'm just, I'm saying. I'm saying. Not just. I'm not adding a qualifier to make it sound like something less than what it is. I'm saying. You wrong. Another hip hop news this week. Little Wayne. How old is this man still calling himself little? I mean, he's a small man. Never mind. I sound like Dion Warwick. Chance, you're a rapper. But why did you put the rapper in your name? <laughs> little Wayne last week pled guilty to federal charges that he possessed a weapon despite being a convicted felon. The charge carries a maximum prison sentence of 10 years. He is currently free on $250,000 bail, but he had to surrender his passport. Remember when Wayne endorsed Trump right before the election and people were like, nigga, have you lost your goddamn mind? And people were trying to figure out why he would do that. And it it was speculated at the time because the arrest happened... In December 2019. So it's been over a year. So people knew that the federal charges were likely coming. And so, so the speculation was that Wayne had endorsed Trump in order to get a pardon on his federal charges. Which, you know, if I was facing 10 years in prison, I don't know what I'd do. I'd be trying to get my ass out of it. I know that much. I would like to think I wouldn't sell my soul and sell out black folks in the process. But 10 years is a long goddamn time to be in prison. I ain't trying to do a day. And I don't like what he did but I understand there's some more little Wayne news this week apparently back in June he sold his masters to Universal for a hundred million I I thought 100 million sounded like a phenomenal number I was like oh a hundred million that's a lot like if you're gonna sell your masters but I was talking to some industry friends and they were like little Wayne has sold more than 120 million records so when you look at the money that he's generated, and the popularity of his music, 100 million is actually cheap for Wayne and the Young Money catalog, all things considered. And I was like, well, you know, it's still 100 million, but you know, I, I, I see where you're going with this. Like market value, he probably could have got more. I hate to see people sell their masters just because so many people sign these contracts in the beginning because they want to get on. And then on the back end, you end up fighting really hard to get your masters back. As much as he got paid for his masters, and 100 million is nothing to shake a stick at as the old folks would say, that's gotta hurt to give up ownership of your work. But I suppose, again, you know, he got a family, he got kids, he's looking at 10 years in federal prison. You know, he may be in financial straits. A lot of artists are right now, because you make your good money as an artist on touring. Ain't nowhere to tour. Outside been closed since, what, March? A lot of artists who you would think have big money also got big bills and are not bringing in good income right now. So, you know, he may have needed the money. If that's what you gotta do to feed yourself and your family and take care of your children and your legacy, it is what it is, so. I fully support United We Rise, a new black-led national effort to unite and mobilize a collective force to end the HIV epidemic in our community and uplift the quality of life for hashtag every black body. The effort focuses its work within five key areas. One, black leadership and organizations. Two, black community engagement. Three, policy. Four, intersectionality. And five, sexual and gender identity. In all, UWR represents the diversity of the black community and its leadership who are dedicated to HIV and racial justice for every black body. The time is now for us to celebrate our diversity and the power in our unity. Support United We Rise. For more information on the United We Rise campaign and to volunteer, visit www.everyblackbody.org. Did you see this Tiffany Haddish situation? She was asked to host a pre-show for the Grammys, and she turned down the offer when the Recording Academy told her that she had to pay her own way, by which she meant she was offered no payment whatsoever she was expected to cover her own hair, makeup and wardrobe, which means she was going to pay to do their event, which they're going to make money on the telecast. They're going to sell ads, they're going to have sponsors. Somebody's making money. But they were asking Tiffany Haddish to go in the hole to help them make money. Tiffany told Variety, "Quote, I was like, the exposure is amazing, but I think I have enough. And as much as I appreciate the honor of being nominated, because she's being nominated for her second Grammy this year for her Netflix special Black Mitzvah, she said, that's not okay. And it isn't. Now, folks went and did a little research and they found out that very often people are not paid for hosting the pre-show for the Grammys. You do get paid to host the Grammys, but for the pre-show, people are not typically paid, which you'll be surprised how many ads people will make in, in entertainment so not just Hollywood but entertainment across the board people who got whole budgets will come to you and be like yes yeah, so I need you to do and no there's no hair makeup we'll send a car for you though I was asked to do something last year it became a I'm not gonna talk about it too much because it's one of my father's friends but I was asked to host something a televised something and they were like yeah so you know we'll send a car for you And I was like, wait, so there's no check, there's no hair, there's no makeup, there's no wardrobe. I gotta pull all of this together for free. And they were like, yeah, well, you know. And I was like, no, I don't know. Cause I know that the venue that you're hosting it, that they are getting a check. And I know that people that are doing the lighting and the sound, they're getting a check. And I know the people that built the stage, they're getting a check. And I know you who's calling me to ask me to do this, you're getting a check. Otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. You're not working for free. Everybody else in this whole situation about to get paid, except me. I'm good. You got the right to say no, which Tiffany Haddish did. So she knows her worth, good for her. I don't know anybody who doesn't know Tiffany Haddish's name, white or black. I mean, the woman has an NBC show. So asking this woman to work for free at her caliber, there's part of me that at least feels like, okay, it's not personal when you do it to me. It's things. It's things. And I say no because I have some self-esteem, but it feels very personal when people do that. And I'll also tell you this, just as a rule of thumb, If you're doing something that's free and you ask someone to work for free, like, hey, we got this project and we're trying to promote, we're trying to build energy or build awareness and nobody's getting a check here. Like, this is just something that we're really passionate about. That's one thing. But when you're getting a bag and you ain't offering a bag, that's not right. Take care of your people. After Tiffany Haddish made this information public, the president and CEO of the Recording Academy, Harvey Mason Jr., a black man, He posted a video on Instagram last week apologizing to Tiffany. He said a talent booker from the Academy had reached out to Haddish and said they wouldn't cover the cost. And he said, quote, to me, that was wrong. I'm frustrated by that decision. It was a lapse in judgment. It was poor taste and it was disrespectful to the creative community. I am a part of the creative community. I know what that feels like and it's not right. So hopefully going forward, the Recording Academy and other folks who have watched this debacle will cut some damn checks. It's the right thing to do. In political shenanigans, I'm not even talking about the electoral college and the, the orange occupant in the White House who's out of his mind. I, I can't. The Wall Street Journal ran this article. Joseph Epstein, not to be confused with Jerry Epstein, because when I first heard about it, I was like, ain't he dead? That was, that's a different Epstein. This Epstein... I still don't really know who this man is. I know he was a he was a professor at Northwestern for 30 years, and after this debacle, Northwestern took all his information off their website. They don't want any affiliation. They also released a statement like he hasn't worked here since 1993, FYI. Even though he put our name in the editorial, don't put our name in this shit. Mr. Epstein in this Wall Street Journal piece, he is described as an author most recently of a name of a book I can't pronounce, a collection of essays Gallimorfrey? Gallimorfrey. I'm a whole English major. I don't I've never seen this word before. A collection of essays, reviews, and bits. Some shit I'll never read. Anyway, he wrote this piece for the Wall Street Journal entitled Is There a Doctor in the House? Not if you need an MD? The deckline, it's inside journalism talk. The summary. Jill Biden should think about dropping the honorific which feels fraudulent, even comic. And he begins his piece, Madam First Lady, Mrs. Biden, Jill, kiddo. He's calling a 69-year-old woman that he don't know, kiddo. When people criticized him for calling her kiddo, he was like, well, her husband calls her kiddo. How you going to be out here, one, telling somebody what they should want to call themselves, and then, two, using a pet name for them that their husband uses? That's like somebody walking up to your husband and being like, hey, baby, bitch, what will you call him, baby? Girl, bye. Get the fuck out of here. You sound crazy. That's how this man sound. You sound crazy I'm trying to call this woman the pet name her husband gave her. And you going to put this in the whole Wall Street Journal? Sir, there must have been a Black Friday sale on Audacity because so many people have it right now. Epstein wrote a bit of advice On what may seem like a small, but I think not unimportant matter. Any chance you might drop the doctor before your name. Dr. Jill Biden sounds and feels fraudulent not to say a touch comic. Your degree is, I believe, a doctor of education earned at the University of Delaware. He goes on to say, I taught at Northwestern for 30 years without a doctorate or any advanced degree. I only have a BA. He says that he never asked or allowed people to refer to him as doctor. Well, maybe motherfucker, because you ain't a doctor. Because you don't have a doctorate. He goes on somewhere to say that he has an honorary doctorate. It's not the same damn thing. Being honored as a doctorate is not the same thing as earning a doctorate. The woman, by your own account, went and earned a goddamn doctorate. Call the woman doctor. I think it's a little weird, too, when people have honorary doctorates and they want to put doctor in front of your name. Like you've done some life work, but you didn't do that doctorate grind. You didn't do that dissertation grind. I have several friends with doctorates, one of my very dear mentors, Joan Morgan, Dr. Joan Morgan. Joan Morgan has spent the better part of a decade working on that thing. When I was in Essence, I edited a piece that Joan wrote. Joan was working on her doctorate then. I've been gone from Essence since 2011. She just got that doctorate earlier this year. Stop it. People who do the work deserve the reward. After you put in the grind to gain the knowledge, to produce new knowledge, to be a thought leader, you deserve the title. If you don't want to use it, that's your business. And if you want to use it, that's your business too. And I also feel like this conversation never would be had about a man who chose to call himself doctor when men want to feel fancy and important and they want to show off their work and their titles and their accomplishments people be like oh well that's just a man women are expected to shrink and play small and pretend they haven't accomplished what they have and for what the woman accomplished a doctorate the woman earned a doctorate she did the work for a doctorate it doesn't matter when it doesn't matter where she got the shit done call the woman what she want to be called She want to be called Dr. Jill Biden? Call that woman Dr. Jill Biden. Shit, it's not hard. Women don't want to be called female. Call women women. Shit, it's not hard. I never used doctor, even though I was an honorary doctorate. Nigga, you wasn't a real doctor. He goes on to say the PhD may have once held prestige, but that has been diminished by the erosion of seriousness and the relaxation of standards in university education generally, at any rate outside the sciences. Shut up. Shut up. It's always when a woman goes and does something that people want to be like, oh, well, it's not that serious. Yeah, it is. It's the same fucking degree of seriousness that it was when a man went and did it, and it was harder for her ass to do it because people don't expect a woman to do it. Shut up. In the conclusion of this article, Epstein goes on to say, Madame First Lady, hard-earned though it may have been, please consider stowing it, it being the title, at least in public, at least for now. This is where it gets really nasty. Forget the small thrill, and I'm quoting. I just, want, I just want to be clear that I'm quoting. Forget the small thrill of being Dr. Jill. It's actually Dr. Biden, thank you. And settle for the larger thrill of living for the next four years in the best public housing in the world as First Lady Jill Biden. First Lady is nice. It's an accomplishment. But the reason she got that title was because her husband won an election. It's not necessarily something that she professionally, individually did. Her husband's accomplishment is great. It's theirs. They're a married couple. But the idea that being first lady should supersede all of the other professional accomplishments in your life, that's fucking nuts. And who the fuck are you to go tell somebody what they should value in their own lives? Or that you have to choose? I don't understand why she can't be first lady, Dr. Jill Biden. Why not? Do you know how small your penis must be to write some shit like this? The micro penis aggressiveness in this whole essay is just, oh, so he writes this essay and there's mass outrage. Joe Biden's spokesperson responded. She said the Wall Street Journal should be embarrassed to print the disgusting and sexist attack on Dr. Biden. If you had any respect for women at all, you would remove this repugnant display of chauvinism from your paper and apologize to her. The second gentleman, Mr. Doug, he called it trash, too. I don't have his quote in front of me, but essentially he was like, this is some trash. A couple other prominent Democrats, as well as like tens of thousands of other people who read this essay, were like, this is some trash. The Wall Street Journal responded, the editorial page director, he's also the vice president of the publication, he doubled down. He said that the attacks on his paper and on this essay were an example of, quote, cancel culture. Sir, you don't even know what cancel culture means. You heard somebody say that shit one time and it had some alliteration to it and you decided to throw it in here. Calling some shit some shit is not cancel culture. And I didn't see a whole bunch of people calling for a boycott of the Wall Street Journal. I just saw people saying this is some shit. This idea that people have that, like, you could just do wild shit, say wild shit, say crazy shit, and people are supposed to support you nonetheless? That's not quite how this works. Saying crazy shit has consequences. People be like, freedom of speech, that protects you from persecution from the government. Freedom of speech, which is guaranteed to you in the First Amendment, ain't got shit to do with social consequences. If you are an entity, a publication, an individual... You have to act and behave in a manner that is in line with the audience who supports you. An audience does not owe you their support. They don't owe you their checks. They don't owe you their money. Now, if you want to go be like, fuck it, I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I can be wild when I want. You sure the fuck can. You absolutely can. You have the right to do that. Folks also got the right to not read your shit, to not subscribe to your shit, not to listen to your shit, not to read your shit, not to support your shit. That's also a right. So when people are like, oh, cancel culture, cancel culture. Not really. People didn't like some shit that you did. It was offensive to them on some level. And now they no longer want to look at your shit or spend their money with you. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. Now, I'll be the first to admit Sometimes folks apply cancel culture harder to some people than others. Cancel culture is not applied evenly or consistently. There is a lot of sexism in it. There's a lot of racism in it. I wish we could apply it consistently. But in terms of the Wall Street Journal, no. You're not experiencing cancel culture. You're experiencing a clapback because you did some dumb shit. Back to the editorial page editor and vice president of the Wall Street Journal. I guess he thought he was helping his cause when he responded... In this gaslight ass quote to people who were upset about that op-ed. He said, why go to such lengths to highlight a single op-ed on a relatively minor issue? One, diminishing women's accomplishments is not a relatively minor issue. And why people went to such lengths? Because you put some trash online, sir. You put some trash online. He says, my guess is that the Biden team concluded it was a chance to use that big gun of identity politics to send a message to critics as it prepares to take power. There's nothing like playing the race or gender card to stifle criticism. Sir, you popped out. Not with the race card. I didn't see much race conversation around this. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. But sir, you popped out with the gender card when you allowed this random mofo to write a whole essay in your paper telling a woman what she should call herself and what she should respect and value in her life. You started this shit. It's not like you were minding your happy business and then people came and started attacking you. You said some sexist shit. And then in describing why the shit was sexist and when people were explaining exactly what was wrong with the shit that you did, they had to use terms like sexism and patriarchy in order to explain what the fuck you did wrong. Explaining how you were wrong doesn't mean you're playing a race card or a gender card. It's explaining to you the fundamental shit that you fucking missed and that y'all should have known before you published that dumb shit. Jesus. Was Audacity 90% off? Where are they selling it? Look, I'm fresh out of fucks and I'm not purchasing anymore. If there's Audacity on clearance, if there's stock I can purchase, the stock market's through the roof. Let me buy some Audacity because there's so much. There's so much. It's so plentiful. Michelle Obama... The Michelle, also had some criticism for the journal. She defended Dr. Biden and used the title when she did so. She responded on Instagram, For eight years, I saw Dr. Jill Biden do what a lot of professional women do, successfully manage more than one responsibility at a time, from her teaching duties to her official obligations in the White House to her roles as mother, wife, and friend. And right now, we're all seeing what also happens to so many professional women whether their titles are doctor, miss, missus, or even first lady. All too often, our accomplishments are met with skepticism, even derision. We're doubted by those who choose the weakness of ridicule over the strength of respect. And yet, somehow their words stick. After decades of work, we're forced to prove ourselves all over again. She asks, is this really the example we want to set for the next generation? Dr. Biden gives us a better example. And this is why I feel so strongly that we could not ask for a better first lady. She will be a terrific role model, not just for young girls, but for all of us, wearing her accomplishments with grace, good humor, and yes, pride. I love this woman. She has so much grace. Dr. Biden responded as well. I don't have her tweet in front of me, but it was two sentences and very gracious, very fitting I think of what this new administration is bringing to the table, which is grace and class and compassion and full fucking sentences and education and people who are experts in the field that they are working in. It's so goddamn refreshing. Joe Biden's press conferences be so damn boring. It's no ranting and raving. He's not attacking reporters. He's just being like, you know, normal, like a leader. It's boring as shit, which thank you. I'm ready to be bored. If I want to be entertained, I'll turn on Real Housewives of Potomac, not a presidential press conference. I have so many other things that I want to talk about this week because it was was eventful. It was eventful, but I will pack them into next week's episode. In order to talk about Real Housewives of Potomac, this is a show that I have never once watched. And it's nothing personal to the show, nothing personal to Bravo. Just after being on reality TV, I can't watch it. It's triggering, to be frank with you. I did not have the best experience on reality TV. Everything that you saw in front of the camera was 10 times worse behind the camera. It's crazy. And also, full disclosure, I know most of the cast of Real Housewives of Potomac. Like, Don't know them know them. I went to college with one of them. I have most of their numbers in my phone. We've spent New Year's Eve together. We have many, many friends in common. DC is incredibly small. Friends invite me to their houses for a kiki, and I walk into the room, and it's like 15 people, and two of them are cast members from the show. So I am being very mindful in how I speak about the show. I will say that after the reunion, which I didn't watch in its entirety, the clip scene around the world, if you don't watch the show, there's a woman named Monique Samuels at the reunion, which the reunions are always incredibly messy. Monique broke out a binder with information that she had on one of the other castmates. Giselle Bryant is the woman that I'm speaking about. Monique opened that binder and she read literally and figuratively. Just the facts, Giselle Bryant is the ex-wife of Pastor Jamal Bryant. When she joined the Real Housewives of Potomac, I didn't know anything about, I didn't know much about her, and I didn't know much about Jamal Bryant. He was a pastor in Baltimore at the time. I'm from Maryland, but I'm from PG next to D.C. Like Baltimore is like a whole separate world to us. When Giselle Bryant first comes on the show, her storyline is being the ex-wife of Jamal Bryant. Who cheated on her while they were married and she eventually left him Jamal Bryant and Giselle Bryant have children together but when she gets on the show she heavily puts out there that her husband was a whore and that's how I came to know Jamal Bryant and his shenanigans now that was a while ago Housewives of Potomac been on forever and a day he's had several scandals alleged scandals over time just earlier this year or late last year there was a story about him having another baby with a woman in his church fast forward many years and many seasons of this show the Bryants decide that they want to be together again and so they began dating there was actually I want to say like a Chris Rock comedy special on Netflix and people didn't know they were dating until this special comes out because Jamal Bryant and Giselle Bryant are sitting in the front row At this comedy special, which, you know, has an international audience. And people were like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, you dogged the fuck out this man because he cheated on you. And now you're back with him? She released some video at some point saying no one knows me the way he does. And family and my heart and love. And okay, fine. Folks want to work themselves out. You know, it's been a while. So maybe you've grown and maybe he's grown. And y'all decided to be together. Good for y'all. From what I gather... Part of Giselle's storyline for this season has been about her relationship with her ex-husband. So at this reunion, Monique pulls out this binder and she says, basically, you're a fraud. Actually, that's a quote. She said, you're a fraud. And she said, your relationship is fake. It's just for the storyline. It's just for TV. And in fact, your ex-husband, who you're currently in a relationship with, allegedly, has a whole girlfriend. And I know this because the girlfriend has sent me pictures and text messages and she proceeds to read a series of text messages that she has included in this binder that has full tabs in which she refers to Giselle as last lady. It wasn't pretty, wasn't pretty. One of the texts that she read, there was a story somewhere about Giselle Bryant and Jamal Bryant reuniting and the woman text Bryant the article and says, well, is this true? Bryant's response is something like, it's not reality. It's reality TV. There's more that Monique went through. And again, I would suggest you go watch the video. It's a reunion. So Andy Cohen is the host. And he says to Monique, well, you know, you're making these accusations. How do you know that any of this is true? And she said, well, Giselle will know it's true. Let me read you the phone number. So she reads out a phone number. And Andy turns to Giselle. He says, is that his number? Giselle, bless her heart. I hate to use the cliche term deer in the headlights, but I'm from Maryland and I drive a two lane road to get to my parents' house. And there's always some damn deer on that road in our neighborhood. Like deer just come up in the yard. They eat my mother's flowers. When I pull up, sometimes deer be standing in the driveway like, bitch, what you doing here? And I'd be like, deer, I live here. And the deer will just look at me. Cause my headlights are on. I look at the deer, the deer looks at me cause I can't get in the garage cause the deer is blocking the garage. But the deer just stares at me blankly. Like it just don't see me. Like it just cannot process what is happening. And that is what Giselle Bryant was looking like sitting on that stage. He was like, is that Jamal's number? It took forever, but she finally said yes. I was like, oh shit, 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 shit. So look, I don't know what's true and what's not true. That ain't my business. That's not what my podcast is. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. These folks all got larger platforms than I do. So if they want to to address their ish, they are free to do so. And and should. And should. Because this show got folks looking fucked up out here. Jamal Bryant did respond. Jamal Bryant's initial response was to post a video. There's this video that's been circulating of a man sitting outside. There's a faucet coming from the wall. It must've been a hot day. He's sitting on the ground up against the wall and the faucet is running water over him. And he's leaning against the wall and he's leaning against the wall and he's eating chicken. And the caption of this video, I've seen several, but it's always about how peakly unbothered this man is. Peak unbotheredness. So this is the video that Jamal Bryant posts after this episode is aired where he is accused of cheating on Giselle once again. That didn't go over well. It was like, sir, if you're going to say something, you got to say something more than this. Just, oh, I'm unbothered. Sir, you are a whole pastor who is murdered in scandal every six months. I ain't never seen nothing like it. Well, not since John Gray. It's like twice a year. Y'all got to be involved in some shit. I'm going to suggest, without knowing or speculating on the truth of, of anything that's been said, I'm just going to say, if you're constantly involved in some shit, you're the common denominator of the shit. I'm going to suggest to you that you have some more work to do on changing your ways. I'm going to suggest to you that there is a blind spot in your life, in your circle of friends, in the way that you conduct yourself, in the way that you speak, in the choices of people that you choose to engage in, in your professional, personal, social, whatever part of your life. If you are consistently in some shit, it's you. You need to get some help because clearly you're not doing so good on your own. Call in a professional, therapists are good for this, and figure out why you stay in some shit. You might need to make some big changes in your life. You might need to make some small changes in your life. You may need to remove some people from your life. Because it's like, sir, you was in some shit when you was in Baltimore. You done gone and traveled a thousand miles away. And the shit is in Atlanta, too. Sir, you are the shit. You are the shit. Jamal Bryant had a second response because that first one didn't go over so well. It didn't stop the conversation. So he released a 20-minute video. And I did watch the entire 20-minute video. Let's read the notes that I made. I made some notes because I knew I was going to talk about this on the podcast. I did wonder what Jamal Bryant's real voice is like. I follow this woman and her name escapes me. Her Her Instagram name is at TV News Lady, but she's a newscaster. She does these videos where she speaks in her newscaster voice about mundane things. She and her fiance, I believe, they're both in news. They have these normal conversations, again, like what's for dinner, but they speak about it in their newscaster voice and then they speak in their normal voices. And they were like, look, like when you're on TV, there's an expected voice from newscaster. When you're listening to a minister, when you're listening to a pastor, there's an expected voice that they speak in, an expected cadence, if you will, right? I've never heard Jamal Bryant's real voice. Do you speak in pastor voice like all the time? It was so weird. He started off his video saying that he didn't want his silence to be confused with conceit. He said that he was not offering an apology. He was not asking for anyone's forgiveness. He said that he was not making a confession He was just providing clarity. He says that he does not like reality TV. He only went on to support his ex-wife. He says he regrets participating. He will never be on reality TV again. He says that there has been, quote, a gross misrepresentation of my character, my ministry, and my humanhood. I did realize before he mentioned he had a binder that he was sitting up there with one. And I was like, sir, sir, sir. You being messy. So he reminds people that he is a single man. He does not say whether he is in a relationship with his ex-wife or not. He just says that, again, he is a single man. He does date. He says he does not have a mistress because, for clarification, he is not married. He said that the woman who has been sharing these text messages, he said that the woman has never been to his city. The woman has never been to his church. The woman has never been to his home and he has also never been to hers. He proceeds to read a series of text messages, essentially how he's curved this woman. She continuously expressed interest in coming to see him, supporting him, trying to work with him. She asked him to read her dissertation and in short, he's like, you know, this woman is trash and she's not a good writer and she wasn't a professional woman and she's not a good worker. He like rips the woman apart. It's an attempt to discredit her. I understand what he's doing, but at the same time, when people tear down their exes and talk about like all of the horrible things that they are, it all may be very, very true. But what is also very, very true is that your ass dated them. You're just basically saying this woman is trash and she doesn't have professional skills and her writing is not up to par and, and she doesn't pick up on social cues. But you dated her. You had the sex with her over a period of what seems to be months. She may not have been down to Atlanta and you may not have been up to her home in New York, but y'all gathered somewhere and got naked and was doing the sex. Now she might be trash, but you put your dick in her. And I also must point out, Jamal Bryant sits in this very lovely room. The artwork on the wall was absolutely beautiful. If you are aware of who any of the artists were, please let me know. I may want to purchase something. I just moved to this new place in July and my walls are a little bare, okay. So Jamal Bryant sits here and he's speaking in this very calm pastoral tone, but the shit he's saying is messy as fuck. Changing the tone in which you speak messy shit doesn't make it any less messy. Like you're dragging this woman and then you go on to drag your wife's co-star. You bring up this rumor about her youngest child not being by her husband And then you go on to talk about her husband. He's a former football player. You talk about how he had an outburst at Safeway and how he might have CTE and how you reached out to his pastor because you want him to get help. Sir, you're being fucking messy. You're being just as fucking messy and petty as Monique. You sitting here talking about like, I don't do reality TV. Sir, you sitting there with a binder just like Monique being messy, just like Monique filling tea, just like all the women on the show. All you needed was a goddamn cherry blossom so you too could be a member of Real Housewives of Potomac. Come on, man. Come on. Now, if you were just an average dude out here, do what you do. Sir, you are a whole pastor. I know that pastors are human. I get it. But I'm also like, my dude, you constantly in shenanigans. This is just the latest one. And now you're out here talking about, like, I despise reality TV. I regret doing reality TV. But you conducting yourself on camera like you in a confessional just like all the women on reality TV. Just like your ex-wife. Just like Monique. The people you drag dragging. you conducting yourself just like them. You're just not getting a check to do it. You might as well just sit down and talk to the producer for seven hours in front of a green screen. So when it airs, they can put some fancy place you don't live in behind you. He says all this messy shit. And then he concludes at the end, I'm not called to entertainment. I'm called to empowerment. And then he goes on to list all the good works that he and his church are doing in the community. Kudos to you. I'm glad you got that part of your life together. The other parts you may want to work on. I don't want to see another video even in this beautiful room with this beautiful art and this HD 5K quality cuz I'm like what cameras he shooting with? That's clear as shit. I don't want to see another video from you six months from now explaining some more goddamn shenanigans. If you're going to be a man of God, you got to behave better than this. If you don't want to behave better, then come sit in a congregation with the rest of the heathens and let somebody who's ready to be disciplined or who was at least going to try. Because my favorite pastor, Howard John Wesley, he became my favorite pastor because he was like, look, sometimes I call on God. Sometimes I reach for this seat. I'm struggling. At least be honest about your struggle. That's half the battle. You got to start with the honesty of it, sir. I'm not called to entertainment. I'm called to empowerment, sir. Your shenanigans, you doing these videos, it's entertainment. You might also be called to empowerment, but you're out here entertaining shenanigans. He also did a whole 20 minute video, which I'm like, okay, all this stuff is swirling around. You feel a way about the things people are saying. So you want to do a video. You want to talk about what's going on. If you're not going to address The shit that people really want to know, the video is pointless. You did a 20-minute video. You didn't mention Giselle's name once. People don't know if you're in a relationship. People don't know if you cheated on her with this woman, which is all people really wanted to know. You accused Monique of deflecting by talking about you in order to avoid talking about these other allegations with her trainer, her child, her husband, whatever that shit is. I don't know what's true, what's not. I do know that you just spent 20 minutes deflecting from the shit people really want to know about. That video didn't have to be a video. You could have typed some issue notes because I do that sometimes. Type some issue notes, screenshot it, and just post it on your page. Would have took you three sentences. And in case people are wondering why I'm talking about Jamal Bryant and I'm not talking about Giselle and I'm not talking about Monique, Monique's accusations were all about Jamal Bryant's behavior. She might have leveled them at Giselle as a death blow. She never said Giselle did anything. Giselle may or may not have known about any of this information. And so that's why I'm addressing Jamal Bryant. I do not hold women responsible for the behavior of men. Maybe Giselle knew what he was allegedly up to. Maybe she didn't. Who knows? I do know that this is a long ass podcast and I am bringing it to a close. Thank you as always for tuning in. Again, there is Ratchet and Respectable merch still left on the website from the last drop. And I'm going to do another one probably on Friday, maybe Saturday. I still got to get the stuff that y'all just bought shipped. So when I'm done recording, I'm gonna do a post office run so y'all can get y'all ish. Hopefully by Christmas. Maybe, maybe not. USPS is on some bullshit. We will speak again soon. If I don't speak to you before next week, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And if you don't celebrate nothing, then just have a great week. Stay safe, y'all. Wear your mask. Try not to breathe on people. All right. Bye.